Blog Talk Radio. How are you today? We are really excited about today's show. We have the Hip Hop Conservatory, and then we also have none other than Christopher Jordan from the Imani Exchange, who's going to share what it's it's like to be a country boy that came up to New York and became a designer at the Armani Exchange, so our young people will know what that's like as well. So without further delay, we're waiting for our great friend, Mr. J. Logan. Mr. J. Logan, we're waiting for you to dial in. So we look forward to hearing from you, sir. But I'm... Okay, folks. It seems like there was a bit of a glitch there. Sorry about that. So really excited today. And um, just cannot wait to share with you guys about the amazing show we have today. But we were talking about Jay-Z. Jay-Z started the new title streaming service for artists, owned by artists, to bring more of the music closer to the consumer. Now, the big argument there is, well, we've got Jay Logan on. We're going to bring him now because... Mr. Logan, how are you? Are you out there, Mr. Logan? We can't seem to hear Mr. Logan. We're going to try that again. Let's see if he's with us. Hold on, folks. We seem to have some breakdowns here today. Mr. Logan, are you with us? Hello. 
since we are having some difficulties here today, folks, uh, let's see if we can bring Mr. Logan in. Okay, we seem to have a breakdown here. Okay, everyone, we are here to get started. We are going to try this again. Mr. Logan, do we have you out there? Mr. Logan, are you with us? Hello, Mr. Logan. See what's going on here, guys. This is the first time this has ever happened. Hello, Mr. Logan, are you there? We know we have someone on. Okay. We seem to be having a breakdown here with Blog Talk Radio. Let's try and dial Mr. Logan. Folks, we're really sorry for this breakdown. Do not know what's going on here. Jay, we're trying to get you. What's happening? Bring on. Do we have the Hip Hop Conservatory on right now? Do we have the Hip Hop Conservatory on now? Hello? 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 Oh, uh, yes. Do Hello? We have Hello? Thomas on? Yes, do we have Sassy Thomas on from the Hip Hop Conservatory? Yeah, we're all here from the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory. Okay, we're sorry. We're having some kind of technical difficulty with Blog Talk Radio. So uh, okay. you guys are on. You guys are on live, and we do apologize to our audience. This happens once uh, in a while with Blog Talk Radio. So we're going to welcome <laughs> on Sassy Thomas and Portia and Yvonne. Yes, from- I'm here. Thank you, guys, and thank you for bearing with us. We have no idea what's going on with Blog Talk Radio here online. But this happens at times. So we're happy to have you guys, happy to have you on today. And uh, my partner seems to be having a problem coming on as well, Mr. Jay Logan. So we're waiting for him to come on as well. So while we wait for him to come on, we're actually going to get down to business, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, Okay, great. So the way our show is going to go is we're going to ask you guys a series of questions. We ask you not to let all the goodies out ahead of time and that you just answer (laughs) each question. So, you know, because if you tell everything ahead of time, then we lose all the goodies at the end. All right? (laughs) You're right. So Yvonne, Portia, and Safi, you know, we hear you run this amazing dance troupe, and it's just so much more to it. We want our audience to know all about it. And it's called the Hip Hop Conservatory. And so, you know, the dance first conservatory. question. Oh, I'm sorry. The Hip Hop Dance Conservatory. And, you know, yes. one of the first questions we'd like to ask you is, would one of you tell us 
what is the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory? Um, well, the, the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory is, uh, wow, it's, we're a lot, but I think uh, in our base core is uh, it's a place for dancers to be able to come to train and learn um, all of the foundational elements of hip-hop dance, um, as well as get academic um, uh, education, like pedagogy, um, that is specifically geared um, towards understanding the dance, um, but also understanding um, the world around them. So uh, we do classes in um, popping, locking and boogaloo from the west coast um and then here on the east coast um dealing with rocking breaking and party dances okay that sounds great well you know i heard you say safi that this there's a lot to you you know so can you got, can you fill us in when you said oh we're not just dance can you give us a little more idea of what it is that your dance troupe is up to and what it is that you guys are creating with your dance uh, conservatory? Um, well, the objective uh, for the conservatory um, is like the dance troupe uh, or the, the repertory company aspect of us is kind of like the smallest portion. Um, so we have a variety of different pillars um, that are our focus, right? So we have... Um, Pedagogy, which is, you know, I guess like, you know, our, our primary pillar, which is about um, the development of a system of education um, towards hip-hop dance um, and also about uh, developing a, a, a different worldview um, in essence, quite honestly. Um, then from there we have repertory, which is a, a base of works that are created by um, either myself as artistic director or other or the resident choreographer or someone else um, or guest choreographers that come in and put works on our dancers. Um, right now we have a collection of about 120 different works uh, that are curated by Yvonne Chow. Um, so that's the repertory aspect, um, which is a different trajectory for us as hip-hop dancers, um, a sustainable trajectory towards being able to have um, works that are continuously done. Um, then we have the advocacy portion uh, for advocacy, um, not just advocacy relative to dance or dancers, but advocacy just um, about surrounding a variety of issues which impact us um, as men and women and as dancers. You know, so things like, you know, gender equality, sexism, uh, racism, like we deal with a lot of those different issues in um, the works that we create. Um, but then we also have campaigns that we that we do relative to those same issues. Um, so, you know, we have a, a variety of different campaigns that are advocacy campaigns towards body image or, you know, um, gender equality and things like that. Um, from there, we move into um, everyone's favorite aspect, which is the medical research aspect, uh, where we are building a free clinic for dancers and artists, um, and also a, a research center that's a biomedical research facility to provide um, medical care and um, 
research going into the future and having foresight relative to the the types of injuries um, that we are exposed to as hip-hop dancers um, because of the way that we use torque um, and the way that we use our bodies and the way that we distribute our weight is a lot different from um, other athletes and also is very different from, you know, our ballet cousins out there. Um, And then from there, we move into infrastructure, Um, you know, being able to kind of create a level of sustainability for dancers um, and being able to find a way of being able to, you know, um, develop a system that is centralized around the development, growth, and protection and conservation, not just of the art form, but of the people who are continuing to do this every single day. Um, And then our last pillar is the design pillar, where um, we have a variety of different services in um, multimedia and design, uh, where we not only use those services, um, those in-house services for ourselves, but we also um, push those services outwards into our local community uh, and are looking also to expand into now, you know, the national and international community. Um, So we have a design firm called AK-47 Division um, and another one called Tatter de Million. Um, AK-47 deals with photography and um, cinematography and Tatter de Million deals with um, costuming and uh, creating a line of pieces for the different repertory works that we have. Um, so altogether, this is what um, entails H+, the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory. Wow. You know, Safi, it seems like <laughs> you all are so involved in so many things. You know, the question I would have, you know, I, I think we're going to give Yvonne and Porsche a little bit of a chance here. Is that okay with you? That's a great idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Yvonne and Portia, you know, what I'd love to know from you guys, I've heard, you know, Safi talk about a, a, an assortment of things that are, you know, a part of H1 plus and um, H plus one, excuse me. And so the question I have for you is, I heard, you know, by rumor that you guys are also into social change. Is, is that a rumor or is that true? Hello? Did we lose you guys? I think I'm still here. Is everybody there? Okay, let's try and break. Maybe we've lost. Okay, here they are. I think these two are them. Hi, Yvonne and Portia, do we have you back? Um, yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Um, we heard okay. a little rumor that H plus one may have some social change there. Is, is that true? Um, yes, it's, it's it's definitely true. Um, I think uh, kind of tracing back our um, to the the beginnings of our company, it's always been something that um, has not necessarily just been a, a side, but has been the foundation of you know the work that we do. Um, uh, our artistic director and founder, Safi, you know, he um, when he did uh, design. Uh, the beginnings of this institution, um, it was actually in Harlem, and um, he was seeing, you know, uh, the youth that he was, you know, working with, not just obviously as dancers, but as people, you know, people that are going through many different things in their lives. Um, And so, you know, he saw this as um, a platform and an environment for them to not only learn about dance, but to learn about who they are 
and to learn about how to, um, you know, have better quality lives. Um, and so a lot of different um, kind of uh, areas um, were tackled relative to that, you know, in terms of teen pregnancy or, you know, um, HIV testing or, you know, um, teen violence, you know, just different things that, um, you know, were a part of some of these people's lives and, you know, how do we start to um, work on that from inside of ourselves out. Um, and that has always been a staple of our technique, which is um, the BLADE dance technique. So BLADE stands for Building Leaders Through the Advancement of Dance Education. Um, so this has always been about building better people, better men and women, um, and how that then uh, makes its way into um, our dance and our expression and our movement, um, because how it is that we think about ourselves and how we think as a whole reflects in the movement choices that we make and the quality of our movement. So um, it has always been about social change first from an internal place and from a personal place, um, and then how that extends to our community or communities um, that we serve and are a part of. Got it. Wow, that's amazing. You know, um, now, was that Yvonne or was that Portia? This was Yvonne. <laughs> Yvonne, hi. Portia, do yeah. we have you here too? Portia? Okay. Um, Jay, do we have you here? Okay, we have someone here that I I thought was a part of here. Okay, so, you know, one of the things that I would love to know, <coughs> Safi and Yvonne, you know, you're doing a multitude of things and you're really making a difference. And, you know, part of what I loved about what you do and our team loved about what you did is it's very multicultural, you know. And one of the questions I have for you is you have so many different divisions. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with the concept? And let our audience know, especially our young people, our young people who, are, you know, have these ideas and, want to move forward with them but don't know the direction to go or even to keep it going, what, I, I know you can't tell us your total secret, but what is your secret <laughs> for, for you guys to have so many different divisions, be dancers, have a dance troupe, create your repertoire, do these, uh, you know, create these wonderful messages to get across to the communities at large around the world that make a difference. And, you know, now you're building also a facility, a medical facility for Doctors, I mean, are you partially nonprofit? Are you partially for profit? I mean, how do you run this? Like, how, I'm sitting here saying to myself, wow, amazing. <laughs> well, I think the, the, the biggest part is um, I think the, 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 the main secret, if there is one, is identifying the need. Um, once you're able to identify the need uh, of your community and of your art form, um, then you have to go about figuring out, okay, what are the, you know, the actionable steps that can be taken in order to achieve um, what's needed. Um, oftentimes, I think we as artists often look at things from the surface um, while being very emotional about those things uh, and very passionate about those things. Um, but at the end of the day, um, there are logistics that need to be addressed and there are more empirical aspects that have to be addressed um, in order to then 
bring those things to fruition. Um, so it's about having a plan um, that then surrounds the needs um, that you uh, recognize or that you see within your community, um, and then figuring out and asking a lot of questions about, okay, well, how do we achieve um, – those needs? How do we get to the, the root or core of those needs? Uh, once that has been assessed, um, then it's about, you know, going, you know, going, getting on your grind, basically, and, you know, getting all your ducks in a row. You know, this organization has been around for about 25 years, you know, and so it's like we didn't start off with all these divisions. We started off with just one simple concept, and that was, you know, we were a community service organization that was centered around providing a space for kids to be able to you know, grow um, safely and be able to, you know, just tackle the dance um, and be able to, you know, recognize, you know, their own, you know, um, their own sense of self within the dance and at the same time also give back to the community through the variety of different, you know, services that we were providing at that time. And it was the small stuff that we were able to do, um, but it still made a good impact. Um, and then later on, as we became more expansive, um, and also as a lot of the dancers got a lot older, um, that shifted things into a different place where, then we were able to start focusing on, you know, um, broader issues and really looking at, okay, well, what's the core aspect of this and how can we attack this in a way that's going to be effective, efficient, and productive? Um, those are really important aspects um, because if not, then you're just going to be, you know, kind of like hitting at the air and never really um, – never really accomplishing anything, you know. So I think you know, the core issue is making sure that, you know, we are doing something that is, you know, very efficient, very – it's focused, it's disciplined, um, and it really, uh, you know, it really – attacks things at the core or the root of the issue. Um, and then that's how you then build out from there. Um, the divisions that we have are, are centered around one aspect, sustainability. Um, infrastructure is a really big part of sustainability. Education is a really big part of sustainability. Without education and infrastructure, then you don't have economic sustainability. Um, and oftentimes we only go and attack economic sustainability without recognizing that you need education and you know not just education and the stuff that you like but you have to be educated in the areas that you don't necessarily like either um, because those you know are also the areas that are needed in order to you know grow and you know be a little bit more um, uh, worldly and aware of, of things outside of just you know our city or our town you know there's an entire world out there and it's important to be able to recognize what's going on um, and what has happened in the past as well. So understanding history, anthropology, sociology, these are all things that then contribute to how we function uh, as human beings and as artists. Um, and, you know, for the, thus far, you know, our approach has always been one that has been nonprofit. Um, we used to have a for-profit entity that was um, designed um, specifically for commercial work, um, but the, primar the, the primary work that we do currently um, is all nonprofit. Got it. Got it. Wow. Um, 
you know, this is um, that's, that's a lot. How do you keep your divisions going? You know, how are you able to manage each one? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that at the root of all the different pillars and divisions is the education, um, educational foundation of the conservatory. Um, the conservatory, you know, in and of itself is, you know, an, an institution that allows for um, those who are learning the art form to then preserve the art form itself and to, con- and to conserve it. Um, and I think that because we are always um, learning, um, and I think uh, Safi touched upon a couple of those subject areas like, you know, anthropology, um, psychology, and whatnot, you know, having that grounding in um, always gaining more knowledge and then always bringing that to yourself and asking, well, how do I use this in my life? I think that is really what feeds those different pillars and keeps them alive and keeps them running. Um, and I think a lot of times, um, you know, as we get older, you know, we graduate from college, we go to work, you know, we think, okay, well, you know, in essence, my education is over. And of course, none of us say that, you know, we're, you know, reading news and things like that, but there is kind of a mentality of, you know, I- I'm kind of done. Um, and I think that kind of holds people back from really going to their full potential and doing um, what they can very well do. Um, and something that's very unique about our conservatory is that, you know, all of us are training in this technique, and no matter how many years we've been training in it, we all train together. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, Yasmin, our associate artistic director, that has trained for 13 years in this technique, you know, and then we have maybe an apprentice, you know, which um, is what um, is a title for those that have just come in. They've been here for a month. They're in the same room together learning. Um, And so while, you know, those who are the pedagogues and the directors, they are teaching the course, they are also, in essence, learning in the same route. Um, And so there's this uh, cyclical nature of, you know, always learning and teaching um, through learning, you know, um, within uh, the conservatory's curriculum. And so as we are feeding our minds and really feeding our bodies, that is what allows us to really um, you know, uh, feed these different pillars, you know, from pedagogy to infrastructure design and really, you know, always ask ourselves, how can we make it better today? You know, what's one thing we can do to improve on what we did yesterday? And I think that that is really the essence of growing, you know, because each and every day, if you look at it as a new day and you see it as a new opportunity, then you won't have missed it and you will have done something that, you know, is of, um, you know, an impact. Um, for yourself and your community. <laughs> Interesting. Excuse me. You know, I will say this to you, um, Safi and Yvonne, and I believe Portia, you are on live with us right now. Portia? I don't know what it is. I guess we don't love Portia anymore. Um, Portia, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is you know this has been the breakdown of the century. We haven't had this in uh, maybe about a month and a half. So do excuse us, audience, oh. and Safi and Yvonne. Portia, are you there? You can't hear. Okay, so you know one of the things that you know is really really so important. I think that we would like to ask you uh, both about. You know, a lot of young people, Safi and Yvonne, they come out mm-hmm. of high school or college, right? 
They have these right. wonderful ideas as entrepreneurs, all right? They want to go mm-hmm. into the arts. And, you know, they have that conversation all the time. Oh, I can't go into the arts because um, if I go into the arts, you know, my family says I won't make enough money, all right? I'd yep. like to know from you, um, Safi and, um, and Yvonne, we have my co-host, Mr. J. Logan. Mr. Logan, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Uh, Mr. Logan, we would love for you to meet Yvonne Chow and also Safi Thomas of the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory. How are you guys? Hi, Good. How are you doing? I'm fine. Great to have you guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. So, you know, that's that's one of the things that, you know, Safi and Yvonne, that we hear all the time. Oh, if I go into the arts, you know, my family says I won't make enough money, so maybe I should become a doctor, you know? Right. And what, <laughs> you know, you two are running a, uh, the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory. You've been around for 25 years, and I want our audience to know they're not they're not old like that, so don't even think so. But <laughs> what... <laughs> <laughs> they're actually very young, you know. So Jay, they're 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 not, you know, we're young too, so they're not that old, you know. And I know Jay has some questions for you too. But I want I want you to talk to our young people and tell them, you know, or share with them your experience of, you know, people of all ages coming into the arts and, you know, what I mean, what you're creating is so amazing. So can the, how can they create the same thing, even if it's just to get their dance careers started, you know, to create right. a dance troupe? Like, where would they get started, Safi and Yvonne? Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the first, I think the first um, key aspect is understanding that, yes, they're right. Um, like, you know, when your parents are saying that, yes, they're absolutely correct. There is no um, actionable trajectory towards economic sustainability via the arts in the current system that exists. That is 100% true. However, um, it's important to recognize that as artists, we have to be able to um, cultivate an environment and culture of sustainability on our own. Um, And that means looking at our art and looking at its value in the same context as being a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or an engineer or an architect or any of these other um, various jobs that we look at and we're like, wow, you know, that's a that's an amazing career. Um, those careers at one time were not careers. They were just things that people were doing as polymaths, um, and they were all artists. You know what I'm saying? Um, these, you know, architecture, engineering, this all came out of art. Um, so, you know, I, I think in, in our culture, in Western culture, we look at the arts as something which is tertiary or quite honestly, even just way in the back somewhere, you know, it's something you do after school. Um, and so that I think is what contributes to why our parents then look at the arts as something that, you know, is not sustainable. Um, because, well, that's how our government views it, and that's how our country views it. Um, you know, as Western culture, that's just how we view the arts right now. We view it as 
solely as entertainment. We don't necessarily see its viability as an educational component and its capacity to help us grow in so many different ways and even increase our understanding of the maths and sciences. Um, So that, I think, is what contributes to, you know, why it's looked at in the way that it is. Um, However, it's up to us as the artists to, you know, if this is something that we are truly um, passionate about and something that we truly love, um, then we have, you know, we're kind of imbued with a responsibility to carve a pathway for not just for ourselves to have economic sustainability, but for the people coming up behind us, traveling that same road towards the same goal to also be economically sustainable. Um, So, you know, when building your dance company or building your dance group, the main thing you have to remember is that the arts are a stream. It's already running. You are stepping into that stream. And so once you step in and there's that water displacement, you have to then, for the space that you are taking up, you have to then contribute, not just take up space and take in, you know, the, the, you know, the cool waters, but you also have to be able to contribute something back to those waters um, and, you know, be a part of the action plan that is making that water clean and pure um, and is also, you know, helping to divert it into the areas um, that are needed for cultivation and sustainability. That's our job as artists, um, not to just come in um, and get famous or get popular or, you know, um, because those are all then kind of, you know, um, just being kind of like a slave to the system that's already in place. Um, And the objective as an artist is to gain autonomy and to have empowerment um, and to get your message out to the world. Um, And that doesn't necessarily happen when you are in the background, you know, um, we're, we're back up as dancers. We're in the background of an artist, um, but it's important for us to be the main artist uh, and to deliver our message, whatever that may be, um, whatever it is that is honest and pure and, you know, what we are trying to express, you know, that God-given gift that allows us to be able to express ourselves in a manner that is different from a musician, that is different from a singer, that is different from a poet. Um, We're using our bodies to, you know, bring about um, change and to bring about feeling and emotion. Um, And that's something that is invaluable. Uh, And so I think, you know, as artists, we have a, a, we're imbued with a responsibility to, you know, pave a way, um, pave a way through um, the expression of our art, but also pave a way by, you know, finding um, methods to make what we're doing sustainable. It doesn't have to be sustainable walking in, but you do have to make sure that you are um, creating a, a path of sustainability while you're in it. And you know what? That means that you're going to make some sacrifices along the way. Um, but that's because, you know, that's the the growing pains of creating brand new trajectories. Wow. That's that's interesting. Well, Jay, I'm going to let you take it from here. <laughs> I, wow. You know, that's, uh, 
that was, well, all that you said just embodied everything. That's what I love about what you just said. It embodies almost the whole situation of being an artist, whether you are a musician or a dancer. But what I like to know is music and dance are, you know, they're one of the same because they do two things. They change the vibe. They change the vibe, and they send out vibrations. When people watch you guys dance or, or people sing, you feel a different vibration. That's what makes you happy. Okay. And, and so that's basically what you're saying is to me is, we are here as artists. We mm-hmm. are pretty much, I would say, um, if, if, uh, some type of fairy godmother to keep the world at peace and keep everybody beautiful and happy. Because we perform <laughs> for people. I mean, cause we do, I mean, basically we are. We are chosen to, to, to make sure this world doesn't go crazy. And it's our job, you know, as being artists, to make sure the world is okay and the human race survives. Cause we, we, all of us are mm-hmm. going through a lot of stuff. We're all going through a lot of stuff here, and you know we're dealing with two mm-hmm. different things here. So this is what I like with which, which you said because that is such the truth. I mean, if you want to look at it in another way, we are the Superman, the Batman, the Wonder Woman, the you know we are <laughs> them for the world, the Iron Man, the the you know that's what we are, you know, because music is a vibration, and and that's that's the difference between different people is how we vibe off of each other how we network, how we understand each other. And we are that glue, that pace. So that's what I wanted to say. But my my question is, what toll, like you, like you said, economically sustainable, how far should you go? In other words, are you going to put all your foot in or are you going to, going to you know, take something and put it over into the educational side or I'm going to go work at Subway? So give me a kind of a, a gauge. What would you tell the young kids? You know, do you do you just give up everything and become a, a dancer or a musician or a singer, or uh, do you balance yourself? So I just want um, to before, you, before before you guys go on, we have Portia, so let's bring Portia. In. Portia, did you hear that question, my dear? So, w- would you share with us your your thoughts on that, Portia? Someone doesn't like Portia today, so Yvonne, would you share your answer? <laughs> <laughs> Portia, oh no. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get her on at some point. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely share. Um, I think that I mean this is a really good question because, you know, there's and and it's something that, you know, I personally also went through as well, you know, kind of um, you know, seeing that, you know, hip-hop dance was an area that I wanted to go into, but not knowing how to kind of navigate that. Um, And I don't think it's about looking at it as just giving up everything or just, like, um, throwing yourself in blindly. Um, It's it's really about um, kind of going back to what Sophie was saying, like, knowing what you're stepping into and then making an actionable plan based off of that. Um, and then going full force into it, meaning, you know, allowing yourself to fully commit to what it is you said you were going to do. Um, I think we have this kind of, like, uh, kind of notion, like, oh, okay, you know, like, you just kind of have to, you know, there's always, like, these, like, you know, kind of like the Oprah stories or the, you know, the Ellen stories where it's like, you know, I give up my nine-to-five job, and then, you know, I went and I became, you know, a, a singer or whatever, you know. Um, and, you know, that's like, you know, 0.002%, you know, of people. But, you know, it's, you know, you really have to take a good hard look at 
well, why is it that people have not made it in your industry, you know? And when I say make it, I mean, you know, having a sustainable career where they can say, I make a living off of my art, you know? It's not just right. something that I do on the side. Um, right. So, you know, asking yourself those questions, well, why are people deterring me from going in that direction? What do they see there? And then, you know, what do I, what can I do to cir- circumvent those very things that other people um, went through? You know, how do I learn from the mistakes of those before me and do things in a different way? So a lot of it is looking at the history of the area of study that you want to be in, looking at the industry you know, looking at all those things and and starting to um, create an action plan where you're able to kind of set, okay, well, what is my vision for myself? Like, what do I see for myself as an artist? You know, what is is it that I want to do? And then how am I going to make that happen? You know, what resources do I have? So are there people that I know that can, you know, assist me in this? Are there people that have done this before that can give me their advice and and so that I don't have to go through the same process that they went through and I can do it in a, you know, a, a shorter amount of time. Um, that's a huge part of the culture of our company is, you know, when new apprentices come in, the the goal is to get them to where you're at in half the time that, that it took for you to get there because you have amassed, you know, mm-hmm. a, a series of experiences and a knowledge base that can get somebody to excel so much faster. And I think many times, you know, we as artists, we look at it as always a competition, you know, so we don't want to, quote, unquote, give away, you know, our secrets or things like that. But the whole point is that if we really do see that we are a community and that we really do want to, you know, pave a pathway, and that's something that, although, you know, Jay, you were saying, like, oh, we're all superheroes, not a lot of artists see themselves that way. You know, even though, yes, they have the uh, the capacity and the ability to do that, many artists see it as just, well, it's just self-expression. It's just for me, you know. And although they start that way as a, as a passion, you know, it does have to mature into, well, if I'm really stepping into this, into this community, into this industry, what am I going to contribute, you know. And so those are all things that have to go into our action plan. And then from there on, then yes, you step your you step yourself into it and you put yourself fully into it because it's not going to happen any other way. You do have to commit to that action plan that you know you you set out for yourself. And that action plan is not a step by step process. You know, there's lots of things that you're not going to know when you're walking forward. But the vision, you know, the purpose, why you want to do what you do, has to drive and you have to drive you. You know, and as you gain more knowledge and you amass more knowledge, that might refine. You know, it might evolve. Um, however, the core of uh, and the essence of what it is that you're doing um, should remain, you know, constant and consistent in, in the process of, you know, your artistry. You know, one of the things that, you know, based off, you know, what Jay has just said, Yvonne, Safi, all of us have said, one of the things that, you know, um, and Jay and I being in the music industry and, 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 you know, and you both being in, you know, dance and that complementing the music industry, and they were all in social change here. You know, one of the things is, you know, I always say that music, dance, songwriting, it's all the rhythm of the soul. But when you talk about plan, a lot of times as a dancer, as a singer, a songwriter, a producer, uh, you know, we forget that even from the artistry side, we have to create a plan, and a plan can look like, how much money is needed to create what I need to create with 
the business I'm going into is creating a dance conservatory as you have, or what is it I need to sustain a living from my artistry or my dancing over the course of a month? What is the team I need? What is this? What is that? What is this? And I, there's an argument out there about, you know, um, you know I, some of us are right and left brain thinking, meaning that we are creative architects on one side, as you put it, Safi and Yvonne, and on the other side, we're business too. But not everyone can cross over to both sides. My question to you is, if you, if you know, you know, a lot of young people, a lot of older, all ages intergenerationally, have a mindset where they can either only think creativity, create, you know, from a creative standpoint, or where if they think on a business standpoint, it, it interferes with their creativity. You know, I know one of the things that Jay often says as a producer when he goes in, he said it's his, I believe his wood, his, I forgot, he has a, a thing that you say, Jay, that you're going into your woodchuck moment or something like that when he mm-hmm. goes into his Wood production. Did. Yeah, exactly. Woodshed moment. And I, you know, say I go into, I, I block out my time to do my writing because I'm a writer and I'm also a songwriter. So, you know, besides, but I can also deal with the business side and get down to business in a moment. I, the, the, the twain do not interfere. But there are people that that interferes. You know, Safi is someone who's a dancer and Yvonne is a dancer. You know, what have you found in your, just personally for yourselves as being creative thinkers, uh, creative people who actually not just creative thinkers, but you put your creativity into action and dance and in other areas? How are you able to balance the business side of it? You know, that, that has to be very difficult, mm-hmm. and a lot of young people find that difficult. Yeah, I actually um, think we I have think... Portia here. Um, Portia, please, please, yes. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Portia. For our audience, this is Hi. Portia. And um, would you mind answering that question for us, Portia? Yes, who else do we have on the line? I know one of your colleagues is here as well. Yes, we have our partner, Jay. Jay, this is Portia, one of the other executive directors over at um, the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory as well. Hi, Portia. How are you today? Good to talk to you. I'm good. How's your day going, Jay? It's going great. You guys are amazing. Thank you. So, I mean, do, do you have any thoughts on on that, Portia? You know, balancing the creativity for our young people who are getting out of school and balancing their creativity as well as they have to look at the business side, too, and as Yvonne and all of us are talking about, a plan of action for themselves. You know, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think just from experience being in the, you know, school and education system, we often kind of separate, you know, these different entities of arts and sciences and business, and we also look at it as something very separate. Um, Something that we do here at the conservatory is we mesh all of those things into one, and we don't look at any, you know, part of, you know, the arts or sciences or business or any aspect of education as being separate, but something that's one that we can, you know, drive into dancers, you know, to kind of build themselves from a professional level up. Yeah, I think um, think that, um, you know, when, when we look at, you know, people that are more inclined towards, quote, unquote, creativity or more, quote, unquote, inclined towards business, um, I think it goes back to looking at like multiple intelligences because 
Um, everybody has the capacity for all those different intelligences from, you know, mathematical to, um, you know, visual to, um, you know, rhythmic. Um, you know, we all have that. Um, we're all born with, you know, these capacities. It's just that each one of us have are also born with um, more strengths or more inclinations towards one area than the other, but that doesn't mean that we, we can't, you know, do it. I think it may be really challenging. It might feel like it's very unnatural for us, you know, but it's certainly not something that is a, a handicap by any means. Um, and I think kind of like what Portia was saying, because we're so ingrained with looking at these different subjects and categories and kind of separating these kind of uh, modes of thought, that is what kind of um, prevents us from really being able to look into ourselves and say, you know what, I do have that inside of me. I can start to build that. You know, I can start to cultivate that. Um, and I think I think sometimes we we sell ourselves short when we say, well, I, you know, I just can't think that way. You know, that's why I have my partner. My partner thinks this way. But it's like we can all do that. It just does obviously take us, you know, reconciling reconciling with our perception of those different um, concepts and starting to, like Portia said, see how they all inform one another, um, you know, and how they all um, work together to build who we are, you know, as people. Um, and at the core of it is that you are who you are, you know. So, um, you know, me as a business person is no different from me as a dance person. I make the same types of choices no matter what situation I'm in or whatever context, you know, I'm I'm working in. And I think that that is really the crux of it. If we start to look at them as being separate people, then we don't really understand at the core of ourselves who we are and we're not honest about who we are. So being able to see the same choices I make on the dance floor, the same choices I make in business, the same choices I make in my personal relationship, that I think is what allows us to really flourish and grow because we're really seeing ourselves from the root of who we are as opposed to just, from a context, you know, based from, oh, when I'm in this situation, then I'm like this, you know? You know, Jay, before you yeah, get in there. Yeah, I think that's there, the I, true balance. Truly. I want to open up something here for a minute. Um, and um, Yvonne, Portia, and Safi, can you stay with us for another 10 minutes? Sure. Yeah. Okay, because there's a conversation I want to open up here that I think will be very valuable to our, the young people in our audience, to the United Nations, and others around the world. There is So, Jay-Z, I'm going to bring this in because something you just touched on, Yvonne, is very, very important, and Portia and Safi, goes to what and, and all of us are saying. You know, dance opens up the, the brain waves in one way. Songwriting opens up the brain waves in another way. Production and producing opens up the brain waves in another way. And music opens up the brain waves in another way through the different parts of creativity. If you're a writer for fiction or you're a writer for film, it opens up the creativity in another way. I mean, these are just scientific facts. Here's what it comes down to. As we know, we've heard in the music industry and, you know, Jay and I have experienced this ourselves. We worked with some of the greats all the way to the person who's just starting out, which is really no different than the greats because they're the same, as you said earlier, Yvonne. But there is a fundamental fact sh and shift that happens. A lot of times, you know, when we're dealing with the music artists themselves, they're known to make a lot, you know, be sometimes indecisive, all right? That's even with all the background, all the experience there. 
They can be indecisive. Something else looks better, I'll go there. Something else looks better, I'll go there. Oh, I changed my mind, and they'll say, well, you know, I'm an artist. So I'm going to start with that one. And then the second part is, you know, we talked about the artistry. We talked about artistry compounding all creativity. Jay-Z just brought together some of the biggest minds in the industry from the artistic point of view, uh, a few, a few like one or two executives in his title uh, um, streaming service. That's $9.99 and $19.99, and the difference is supposed to be the experience and bringing people back to music, not just the technology of it. And, you know, what I'm, look, what I'm looking to see and want your opinion on from the dance or any other perspective is how, you know, how what I'm looking at is, okay, this is all great. How will this help the average artist coming out, all right, who's a music artist coming out of school, wants to get started, and they get onto this service? Will they get more money directly than Spotify or the rest of them? You know, how do they interact? How, you know, my outlook as soon as I heard Jay-Z say this, we can get a group of artists who may not be as known as the Jay-Zs and the Madonnas and all that, and they can get together and create the same thing because you all have proven that you've gotten together and created the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory on so many different levels, all right? Mm-hmm. My question to you all is, if you've done it, Jay-Z has done it, and we're talking about here, and it, and it is in different parts here, so I want you guys to hit wherever you think is important, there is some degree of fickleness and there is some degree, let's be really real here, of indecisiveness <laughs> on the part of crea- creativity, all right? Now, I don't find it in the mm-hmm. dance world as much, but we do find it in the music industry as much or the acting industries as much. It does happen there. You know, what are your thoughts and opinions on that? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll start. I'll start backwards, um, and it's true. It's like um, both questions kind of um, feed into each other. Uh, so let's start with uh, the fickleness of artists. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think um, that's one of the biggest. Um, it's one of the largest uh, barriers to us having success um, because as artists we're often very much um, in our own mind uh, we live in our head um, some you know just like uh, academics quite honestly academics live in their head they don't necessarily always live in the real world um, as artists we're we're pretty much the same um, you know we live in our own head um, and we're not often taking we're, we're not often taking into account um, the realities uh, of the world around us, um, nor are we uh, adapting to those changes. Um, and so, yeah, it, I, I have also found that, you know, artists are um, not always very committed um, to staying the course. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, oh, squirrel, uh, you know, you, you look in another direction, there's something else over there, you know, let me, let me, let me jump on that, you know. Um, I think I think you know there's something to be said for an artist that is able to um, keep their focus on one thing uh, or to keep their focus uh, and their commitment level to many things um, and and keep that very straight um, and have some level of discipline uh, when approaching things. Um, I, I find it it's a it's sort of a uh, 
a a a loss of character, um, and that comes from a value system. Uh, I think, you know, the, if you don't have a value system as a human being, then, you know, that's not the artistry's fault. That's your fault. Um, if you are disciplined and have a value system and moral system and ethical system as a human being, then that will translate into your art. Um, so if you know, if you are able to cre- to make and create commitments in your life, in your personal life, then you can make and create commitments within your art. Um, if you say you're going to do something, then you do it. Um, as artists, we don't necessarily have a lot of money, um, but we what we do have, you know, as a man or as a woman, all you have is your word. Um, and if you give your word that this is what's going to happen, then you are imbued with the responsibility to make sure that you, you know, come through on your word. Um, and that's something that as artists we don't really understand. You know, we arrive to rehearsals late uh, without any explanation. We, you know, uh, we get to places um, or we don't, we don't come at all because, you know, something else, you know, caught our attention. And so, and we think that that's okay, you know, and we often, as you said, um, Gail, that, you know, we often blame the art, we blame the artistry, you know, we're like, oh, well, you know, I'm an artist. So, you know, you have to be able to, you know, bend with me, you know, um, and, and, and that's not the case. I, I don't think that anyone, um, it's no one's prerogative to bend um, to our inconsistencies. Um, I think it's our job as artists to, you know, um, have a, a deeper sense of commitment, focus, loyalty, discipline, honor, respect, values. Um, that is our responsibility, um, both as human beings and as artists. And I think that having um, that level of character um, then will, you know, that that then bleeds over into everything that you do, um, you know, as a partner, as a lover, as an artist, as a mother, as a father. Like, you know, it, it, it bleeds into everything that you do if you have that, you know, that um, that sense of character and that sense of, of discipline in relation to um, your life, your lifestyle. Um, the second question going into, like, title um, – you know, I, I think that um, people, you know, you know, you know, it's kind of split in half. You know, people either love it and love the idea and uh, and see the you know the potential in the idea, or people are just hating it. Um, you know, where they're like, oh my god, it costs too much money, and you know, you know, well, how am I supposed to tell the difference in the high quality sound? And we don't even have the equipment yet to be able to hear that. And you know, I just want to hear my music. And um, I think what we don't understand is that um, what this represents, you know, and, you know, I'm not for it or against it. I, I think it's about recognizing, I think it's too early in the game to be for or against a concept that has just released. Um, you know, it's, pre, it's a little bit premature to say, hey, this is going to work or this is not going to work. Um, it takes time and it takes looking at the, the market value. Um, it takes looking at the level of equity that is being contributed to it. Um, and then also, you know, looking at the numbers, you know what I mean? You know, so like, for example, you know, um, when you look at like Kendrick Lamar, right? Um, and, you know, you look at his album, uh, what was it? Um, to, to Temple Butterfly, right? The album received, what, like 9.6 million-something plays on Spotify, 
right? And that was on its first day. And then um, I think the the rough estimate of um, single-day streams, like they earned maybe about here, maybe about um, – what was it? It was between nine hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars and about one million, like one point three million dollars, and that's on top of what he made for the three hundred and twenty thousand albums that he sold in his first week. Now, if you're looking at, um, if you're looking at title, well. Is, does that mean he's going to make more money as a result of being with Tidal? Possibly, you know. Um, but when you look at the fact that Spotify, you know, with its 9.6 million streams that it provided for his album in that first day came from people that are using um, Spotify's ad-supported service, which is pretty much the free service, um, that is a model that Tidal is not using. Tidal doesn't do free streaming. Um, so, you know, there's a loss there in some way. And again, that's just right now. Um, maybe title is pretty much at the cuff where maybe it's creating a new system where, you know what, hey, there's no more free streaming. It's, you know what, let's get it direct to the artist. This money is going directly to the artist. There's no middleman. With Spotify, there's a middleman. With Pandora, there's a middleman. Um, and with each of these streaming services, the artist is the one that's making less and less money. Um, so when you look at, um, you know, something that we talk about all the time, which is, you know, economic sustainability and autonomy. Title is autonomy for the artist, economic sustainability for the artist. And I think that that's something that's important. Um, but we're so used to receiving the artist's work through a middleman. We're so used to receiving the artistic work through someone else's eye. And so it's going to take a while to make that paradigm shift to a point where as 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 the consumer, we understand, you know what, my money is going directly to the artist if I'm using this service. Um, and I think that that's going to be on, on Jay's part. He has to kind of, um, and his marketing team has to be able to express that in a way that the general public will understand it and get it. You are going directly to, the, you know, as Madonna said, um, you're going directly to the human component um, where it's from me as an artist to you as a consumer directly. Um, and I think that um, while, while that, is, that funnel is important, um, I don't think that as consumers uh, we quite understand the difference. What's the difference? You know, I'm just going on Spotify's free service because I want to hear music in the background. I'm just on Pandora because, you know, um, I want to hear music. I don't, I don't necessarily recognize, nor do I necessarily value um, having that direct connection with the artist because for decades, and this is going from all the way back in the 1920s and 30s with phonograph we have always had a disconnect as consumers with the artists 
and the music that they are playing. The second that phonograph hit on a commercial level, we started to lose our understanding of the direct connection. We stopped going to the, the jazz clubs. We stopped going to the blues clubs. We stopped seeing these live bands. We stopped understanding that human connection. Um, and so, yeah, now we've got concerts instead of jazz halls. Um, but the quality of connection with the artist is being lost due to our lack of understanding because of digital connection now. Um, and so I, I think it's important to be able to parse all of those issues um, and then start to recognize, you know, what this is, you know, is more of, okay, let's try to make a direct connection to the artist um, and see, you know, how they can um, they can profit from and and live off of um, these these the streaming of their own music and I think that the, there's nothing wrong with that um, the same way as dancers you know we often look at dancing behind someone as being better than um, dancing on our own but that's just because the system is set up in a way that makes it you know it makes it that way you know because well you know Dancing behind someone, I get a paycheck. But dancing on my own, I have to put the work in in order to um, achieve some level of economic sustainability. Um, and so what title is, is creating that economic sustainability for the artist. Uh, and I think that right now, yeah, it's maybe that group of artists who already have money who are getting together and saying, hey, we want more money. Um, but it also opens up a door to be like, you know what, if I'm an underground artist, if I'm an unknown artist, if I'm an unsigned artist, this gives me an opportunity to put my work out. And, hey, if people like it, they will buy it. If people play it, I will get money for it. This is a good system to that creates um creates autonomy you know it doesn't mean that your you know you know your the, the quality of your work is going to be recognized maybe it won't maybe it will who knows but at least there you know it's not um it, it's a system that's outside of the current system um where there's men in suits making decisions about whether your album gets played on the radio you know, um, so I, I think it, it's important to look at the the wider scope. Um, and hey, you know what? Maybe this maybe title doesn't make it. Maybe it crashes and burns in six months. But even if it does, it was a moment in history where artists got together and said, "We want to create a parallel trajectory that is giving power." to the artist and autonomy to the artist that is not seen within this industry and has not been seen within this industry for the past 50 years. So I think I that was to, important. Sassy, I yes. have to interrupt you on that one because no, Brian okay. Message, radio heads manager, okay, mm-hmm. um, yeah. actually created something called the Artist Coalition for all artists around the world. My concern, and Jay, please jump in here, Yvonne, Portia, all of us, because this is like an open discussion. My concern, I'm I'm an artist too. I do songwriting. I don't sing because all of you would leave. But um, the thing that I have a concern with is that Spotify, one of the people on my Facebook um, happened to say that Spotify actually allows you to hear music that you would have never heard, Okay. I want, you know, and where Title is talking more about the artist experience. 
What I've not heard from them is how is the artist who is selling their mixtapes out of their car going to be heard? Or for Jay and I, our marketing teams and the music that Jay does or whatever, like how are you going, how is the, the full experience going to be fully experienced by the consumer? Also, you can't just throw a, um, a music service out that's $9.99 and $19.99 without teaching the consumer the importance of why it's important that you buy directly from the artist. You've got to retrain the mm-hmm. consumer, help, help them to understand. Otherwise, it's like, oh, yeah. no, I'm not going over there. I'm going to go to Spotify. So they've also, in their marketing, which I did not see, and, and, and the one thing about releasing something is you need to create what you're creating leading up to the announcement of what has been created. Right. And, and that, Well, I think, yeah, and that wasn't done. That wasn't done at all. It's just, Jay, it just dropped, was, and then it's like, it was yeah, dropped. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was just it was just dropped in our laps. You know, it's just like it was just okay. Here, this is what it is. Here's what we're doing. Um, yeah, I do think that um, that's the part that kind of showed, you know, um, or how people are feeling that you know Jay and a lot of them were out of touch with what is really going on here in the real world. You know, where it's like they don't <laughs> understand. You know what the what the you know contextually or even just sociologically what's going on here, um, and how we interact with music on a daily basis. Um, the the music, the the way that we interact with music has changed. You know, better or worse, it has changed. Um, and you know, while I think that the problem with the marketing right now, and I'm sure you know, hopefully he will fix it. Hearing a lot of the complaints. Um, the, the problem with the marketing right now is is that um, it's it it's they are marketing from their desires, which is oh, yeah. as artists, we deserve to have more money, and that's not the way to you know no. um, get reach to people. the consumer, <laughs> right? Like you can't reach people from the perspective of well, I need more. Because it's right. like what the way they're looking at you is, well, you already have more, you know, <laughs> right. um, why not? Why can't you, you know, why can't, you know, you know, now if they had some underground artists there, you know, maybe if they had like an immortal technique, what if they had, you know, even like a Talib or some other people there, you know, then maybe, okay, then maybe, you know what, you could get us on board because we're like, okay, well, these are cats that don't have a lot of money, but they're always spitting positive messages. Um, and so, okay, we can jump behind that because we, we, I want to give them money. Um, but when you're telling people, hey, as an artist, I need to make more money, but you're a millionaire, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know if I want to give you my money. I mean, come on. Like, why am I giving you? You're telling me I need to get more high-quality sound? I don't really care, especially not for nine ninety nine, and especially when I can get it from Spotify just with a couple of ads in between for free. Um, you know, right. it's like, I, I think that, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Finishing, I can, I can. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, you want to say that? I, I think Yvonne, before think, you, Yvonne, before you jump in, we'd love. I just want to hear. Jay is a producer, and Jay, we just love to hear from your. You know, before Yvonne goes on, we'd love to hear your uh, thoughts on this as well. Okay. Um, first, being a artist, I like to say that 
what came first, the chicken or the egg? Dance or music? For me, they both started at the same time, and I would like to know later on what you guys think, because without music, there's no dance, and without mm-hmm. dance, there's no music. They're both synonymous. The other thing is dancers bring the music to the world. In other words, you can visually see. You can't see music, you can't touch it, but you can hear it. It's almost like it's spiritual, like you can't see God, you can't see but you can, you know, you can feel them. So dance, what you guys bring to the world is very important, that live, where people can see the music come alive. And this is the mm. problem with what has happened with everything being digitized. It's insensitive. <laughs> everything, it's insensitized everything. So now people don't want to go out and see the dance plays or the, the show or the ballet. They just want to sit in their house. They just want to sit in their house, eat, and watch it on a, you know, 4K TV. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not come, and and it's, back, it's the same thing. This all started, too, with when, when, when all the kids were boot Napster and all the stuff was being bootlegged. Then it gave mm-hmm. the system the power to put locks. So now everything is getting ready to be digitized. You won't be able to steal anything. Everything is on Blu-ray, big format. You can't put on a drive. They're slowly heading mm-hmm. to we want to control everything to where everything is just digitized. As a matter of fact, eventually they won't even need you, okay? Mm-hmm. This is where we're going. Sure. This is where the system is taking humans. Humans have to fight back. We have to fight back. We have to, we have to fight back and start going to live events. You know, start opening up, stop reopening up these little jazz venues. Have some playhouses. Mm-hmm. Start supporting mm-hmm. the dance troops. You know, it's not, not we're going to lose it. And, 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 and Dale knows America is doing this first. The other countries, whoa, you guys are thriving. Wow. Dance is part of everything in their culture. In Japan, it's part mm-hmm. of everything. In China, they got big, huge troops, and they get together thousands. It's beautiful. But here in the digital <laughs> well, <know>, America, <laughs> it's changed. So that's my thought to you. I just want to. Well, you know, and, and I'll tell you, speaking of dance, <laughs> speaking of dance, you see, here's the next thing. One of the things that we fought for at um, the Medem conference in France is the same way, mm-hmm. you know, I write a song, the music artist sings it, you have people who are, and I'm not talking about the dancers who's in the back and they're just, you know, they're, they're, their arms are just flailing. I'm talking about the conservatories such as yours. I'm talking about, like, the Shen Yun that comes from China, the dancers there. I'm right. talking about... Alvin Ailey, who I used to dance with, which you guys I know didn't know that, Aww. and and um, several several other things like that. I go to go to see Alvin Ailey used to every year at the New York Center. That was that's mm-hmm. my gift, my birthday gift for me in December every year because there's something right. about seeing that you can't get off of YouTube. But what they have right. ever done for dancers is the same way Jay is talking about. They've never given royalties. Like they, producers mm-hmm. get royalties, music artists get royalties, songwriters get royalties. Even some of the people who did the instrumentation on the, the songs, but you never see mm-hmm. dancers have the royalties for any of their performances. So to me, if you're going to digitize something and show it mm-hmm. on YouTube or anyplace else, the dancers should also receive the royalties as well. 
But, you know, Ron, going back, you were about to make a statement, and I just wanted to hear Jay's thoughts uh, with him being a musician. You know, and he and I wear two hats. We're musicians as well as we're, you know, from the background of the music industry as well and business and all that. But we want to know your thoughts and Portia's thoughts, you know, before we close on, you know, what I brought, you know, the question I proposed here and then any one last question that Jay has. So can you share your your thoughts and Portia share her thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of tug and pull, you know, in terms of um, technology and how technology has interacted with all the different arts. Um, I think that there are a lot of pros and cons, and I think that, you know, as artists, we have to really, 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 because of the fact that in society we're already at the lowest of the totem pole in terms of, like, profession, and then dance being, like, the lowest in the totem pole of artists, um, we really do have to be up to date about what kind of technology is coming out and how um, our world is interacting with that technology and then how we as artists um, fit into that or can use that to our advantage as opposed to saying, oh, that really sucks that they're not going to come to our performance anymore, you know. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of the live um, kind of art and the aesthetic experience, that's something that will never um, will never be, um, you know, any better or worse than um, digitized. But I do think that artists have to start to recognize that because we're always inundated with information now and because we're always stimulated and because there's just so much that's coming our way, we as artists have to start to think, what does that mean for us when we make our art? You know, because we're interacting with people that are now interacting with technology that is shaping our psychology and shaping the way we think and the way we we look and see the world. Um, And so that has to start to, um, you know, inform the ways in which we engage our audience so that they understand and are, are, are fueled to want to come and see a live performance because it isn't the same as being something, you know, on YouTube, for instance. But that's not to say that things, you know, on these different social media channels haven't also, if, you know, haven't also done something in terms of, you know, cultural diffusion, you know, relative to the art form. I mean, I think one of the main reasons that hip-hop dance has become popular, I won't say respected, but has become an art form that has reached so many people is because it really kind of had a resurgence when a lot of these these different um, platforms, you know, these different online platforms also made way. You know, so you see on YouTube how, you know, thousands of hip-hop dancers all around the world, you know, are promoting themselves, you know, promoting their, you know, their work, promoting just who they are, you know, as a dancer. And that's something that, you know, many other dance forms did not have, obviously. Um, And that's something to be said, you know, about this technological age, about things like Instagram, things things like Vine, where, you know, you're able to pretty much produce, you know, and put yourself out there. Um, and I think that that's important um, because I think it really shifted the way that dancers saw themselves as not having to always be behind an artist, but that they could also be the artist in their own, you know, um, campaigns and videos that they created. And now you see, like, on different YouTube channels that different dancers and dance companies have, they're producing their own videos. They're produ- And it's not for money. It's literally they have an idea. They want to put it out there, you know. Um, so I think, you know, as we are talking about, you know, 
you know, for example, how, you know, Jay-Z drops, you know, this title and it's like, he's like charging nine ninety nine for it. And then it's like, you know, you have a million other streaming, you know, channels that are free. It's like, it's kind of like not really recognizing where we're at and how people are interacting with music and how it is that they're, they're coming to experience it as a consumer, you know, um, because sure, like, you know, you can say that the experience is going to be better, but I think my experience is fine on Pandora and it's free, you know, so it's like, it's really about recognizing where people are at and then working to help them. Like, if you want to create a new culture, like, how does that work? You know, how do you start to build that out? Because it really is about shaping the audience that you want, you know, shaping the people that you want to follow you and helping them see what can be different if they were to come into, you know, this art form or to see a show in this way or to engage in, you know, YouTube channel this way. It's, it's really about kind of, recognizing where we're at and not not being upset at it, not trying to make it go away, but seeing, okay, how can I work with this? And then how can I use this to my advantage um, as an artist um, in, this, in this day and age? Hello? Hello? <laughs> that was so good. I don't know if we knew what to do after that. Um, <laughs> I, was like, oh, no. I thought I was like talking to nothing for like five minutes. I was like, oh no, 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 no. I mean, um, Jay, do you, Portia, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, um, just going off of what Yvonne had shared, I think for artists, it's also very important that we're consistent in what we put out in our works, um, and that it's always of high quality and high caliber. Um, especially with, you know, this being the era of YouTube. Anyone can pull out an iPhone and create videos here and there and just slap it up and say, here, you know, this is my art, this is hip-hop dance. (laughs) But, you know, going back to, you know, what we talked about uh, some time ago, um, having, you know, all those different facets of education, um, whether it be, you know, marketing or how to conduct yourselves, you know, in the business realm or how to, you know, put together videos, you know, on on an actual, you know, program instead of, you know, just something that we slap together on our, you know, phones or iPads, um, you know, and really just using that as a platform to, you know, create a new trajectory for artists you know, of the future to do something different than what has been done in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jay, do you have any last questions for them? Yeah, my last question is about the future of hip-hop, dance. And I wanted to know with the, you know, with the state of the, with the, state of digital, the digital world, uh, everything is being copied and pasted, just like uh, she just said. Everybody can just copy and paste and glue and make something real quick. You know, you know, I mean, you know, people used to rehearse and practice and spend hours in the studio to actually get the move right, but now they can just glue it three times and we did it, you know. So with all this digitizing going on, copy and pasting, where, did that, where does that leave the true hip-hop artist, dancer, musician, painter? Where does that leave us? Because they're taking, they, they're taking pictures, they're digitizing them, they're re- they, all this stuff is being pretty much uh, taken advantage of. So what does that leave us in 20 years from now? What do you guys think will be? Yeah, well, I think that that's kind of the, the can be the downside of, you know, kind of the digitization of everything is if we don't recognize the foundation from which, um, you know, this art form arises, um, because then, yes, what happens is, you know, 
let's say, you know, I decide one day I want to be a hip-hop dance, you know, teacher. And I don't really know much about hip-hop, but I'm like, well, you know, my studio needs one, so I'm going to be a hip-hop dance teacher. And then, you know, I put on a hip-hop song, and I start, you know, making up whatever I decide to make up. And then I put on YouTube, and I say, this is hip-hop dance, you know. Um, it's That can then be reproduced, right? So then maybe I, quote-unquote, inspire somebody else. Oh, wow, I can be one, too, you know, and then, you know, to, uh, all of a sudden you have, you know, 50, 100, thousands of videos of people saying, I'm doing hip-hop dance, and it's, it's only movement to hip-hop music, right? So, right. you know, in the same sense that you can reproduce, you know, good quality work, you can also reproduce the wrong information. You know, you can reproduce misappropriation, you know, cultural misappropriation. You can reproduce, um, you know, a, a mutation of, you know, the actual form, Um and so, you know, it, it depends on us as the artists how we're going to be responsible about the art that we, you know, choose to engage in. Um, and so that means that for those that are involved in hip-hop, we have a responsibility, number one, to keep true to our foundation, and that is different from tradition. This is not about, you know, trying to recreate, you know, 40 years ago how it happened, you know, exactly how it happened. Um, but it is about understanding, well, what is the, the foundation and the root of what was created in that, you know, cultural diaspora, and how do I keep true to that, you know? How do I keep true to that vision, um, one that, you know, our godfather, Afro-Kumbada, you know, reiterated within, you know, the different um, elements of our culture, you know, from the graffiti to, you know, the b-boying, which is kind of the, the original, you know, form from New York, you know, to um, and seeing, you know, and, and the knowledge being what holds it all together, how do I keep true to that and be relevant to today's society and where we're at today, you know? Um, so it's important for those who are in the art form to be responsible about what they're putting out and making sure that what they put out is clear so that those that are learning from them can do the same. Um, and so it really takes understanding that, you know, whatever you do, you know, although you might think it's just kind of like Portia saying it's just personal, like, oh, I just did this, you know, for fun, everything that we do as artists impacts the community of artists that we're in, you know, and everything we do affects it. Everything we say, you know, has influence. And I think that that's a hard thing for us as artists to recognize because we kind of want to just do things without seeing consequence, and not just even artists, just as a whole. You know, we do, as people, you know, we want to kind of just, quote-unquote, be free, you know, and this freedom, quote-unquote, is really not a freedom at all, but more of a kind of a wanton abandonment, you know, just kind of doing things without seeing the consequence. But to really be accountable to our art form, that is what's really going to determine where the future of hip-hop goes. Um, because as of right now, yes, there are people that do understand the form and the foundation and the history of it and the legacy and the lineage and where it comes from and the fact that, you know, it was pretty much post-civil rights. You know, and this was kind of an expression, uh, especially of the Black and Latino cultural heritage of America, um, you know, relative to many of the different injustices that were going on and the uh, unequal treatment. Um, you know, you can we can definitely, there are people that are, you know, there and understand it, but then there are a whole slew of people that, you know, are not doing the research, not seeing, well, wh where does this all begin, you know, and... Um, that's on part, you know, on part of the artists, you know, and the pioneers to make that information accessible and to speak about it. And then for those that are asking to participate and to be a part of that community, it's important for them to recognize, well, how do I step into this house, you know, this house of hip-hop, you know, how do I pay my respect to it, how do I honor it, 
um, I think that is really where the future is held. You know, if we as the community of artists that are in it and those that are coming in, do we understand our responsibility to the greater picture or are we just doing this because we want to satiate something, you know, within our personal, you know, um, kind of realm? Um, so the future, you know, as of right now, um, there's there's kind of a, a, a split, and that split has to be rectified somehow, you know, um, and it really takes all parties involved, you know, not just kind of looking at people that, you know, are taking hip-hop and, and not knowing much about it and saying, oh, well, they're bad, you know, they don't, you know, they don't understand, you know, kind of just downing them but saying, well, how do I help them? And I think that that is really kind of the issue is that when we do see, you know, as, you know, people that are taking this art form and not using it in the correct way or not, you know, being respectful of it, you know, we just say, oh, okay, well, I don't want to deal with them. As opposed to saying, how do I, as a person that, that understands, you know, this art form and that is, a, uh, you know, a leader in it, how do I help them to see that? You know, we don't want to put that effort in um, because we think, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a waste of time or, you know, we just kind of, you know, criminalize that person. But, you know, that really means that we have to take the time to, um, to teach, you know, to, um, to really educate people um, and to do that consistently, as Portia was saying, because it's not enough to just, you know, say it once or twice, you know, we're inundated with messages every day. How do we, you know, begin to uh, bring in this discourse that helps people understand, well, what is hip-hop? You know, that it's not, you know, one-year-old or five-year-old. It's, four, you know, it's 40 years old. Um, and how do we, you know, start to help people recognize it is an inherent part of the history of our country. It's not some side thing that some people do. It really is a part of our of our, our history. Um, and until we we begin to really look inside and rectify our internalized racism and to recognize the prejudices that we hold, um, we're not going to really get to that because at the root of, you know, how hip-hop is being perceived is really a racial thing more than anything else. You know, this is not a hip-hop thing. It is, um, uh, you know, a country's, you know, um, kind of neglect and refusal to see the very racism that we still hold to this very day, you know, as much as we want to, you know, tout ourselves as some post-racial society with, you know, our black president. You know, this is this is not where we're at, you know. Um, and so I think that that is really, you know, the crux of it, you know, to really look at, you know, how do we perceive, you know, cultural heritage? Do we even know who we are as people? Do we explore that every day? Um, or are we just going to kind of keep, you know, patting ourselves on the back every time we have, you know, a Black History Month, you know, celebration or a Women's History Month celebration, you know? It really has to go beyond that, and that will then affect, you know, the course of hip-hop. You know, Yvonne, it's so funny yeah. that you would say yeah. this because I think it's important. Yvonne, this is coming from her heart, and if it's okay if I say this, um, H plus one, why I love you guys so much, and it, it really references why Jay and I and Listen Give and Savoy, why we do what we do, because Jay and I, we, we have a multicultural team as well, and this is coming from Yvonne, who's from an Asian background. So this is really powerful that she can understand what's behind hip-hop, not because she's Asian, Asian, but because it is an everyone's cultural phenomenon that has come together, you know. And with that, we are we're at the end of the show, and I just want to um, bring this to a close. First of all, Jay and I thank you for having you and for you staying on as long as you have. You know, um, there is one one burning question I have. Portia, this question is for you. You um, 
had, you know, did, you guys did a very dynamic video where you had, you, you, you were beautifully painted, okay? Yes. As a, dan- as a dancer and a creative professional, okay, doing that, creating, being a part of that piece, can you share with our audience what that was like for you, the experience? Um, well, the video that you're talking about is for a repertory piece that we actually just premiered um, last Tuesday at New York University called Black Barbie. This was a remount that we have, you know, just been um, culminating together over the past couple of months. Um, it was a very, it was a very vulnerable experience, um, you know, first off. It was a very vulnerable experience, you know, just kind of being, sorry, there's a couple of different thoughts going on in my mind. Give me one second. Well, while we give you that second, <laughs> um, I'm going to say a couple of things. We want to thank uh, H-plus-1, and once Porsche's uh, finished what she's sharing, um, listen, Evan Savoy will be making a major announcement in the coming weeks. Um, you know, we've had our Never Alone campaign. We've been talking about that. We'll be talking about some announcements with Savoy. We'll be talking about Listen, Give and a new music announcement with Listen, Give. Um, we're, you know, just revamping a lot of media. So we're really excited about what's happening in the next coming weeks. We're going to be announcing a lot of partnerships as well. So with that said, um, we're going to come back to you, Ms. Portia, and if you can finish sharing, and then we're going to close out. Yes. Transforming into the character. Can you hear Got me? It. Yes, we can hear you. Transforming into the character of Black Barbie was a very vulnerable experience, um, most because during the uh, piece, I know, Gail, you weren't able to make it. You know, we touched on a lot of different topics that are going on in our society, you know, like racism and sexism, all of which I, you know, have experienced, you know, being a black woman, especially being a black woman, you know, in the dance executive world. Um, So it very much hit home for me. Um, The creative process, you know, it was a a very extensive and long process. Um, also very vulnerable because, you know, being in the the body painting aspect, I was, you know, sharing a part of myself, you know, with the world that, you know, most would see as very um, sacred and personal, but, you know, kind of putting myself out there in that way to send a message to the art and the repertory that we created, you know, through Safi's vision. Got it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And, um, Sassy, can you tell our audience where they can find out more about H Plus One? Yeah, H Plus, the Hip Hop Dance Conservatory. Um, our website is www.h as in Henry, d as in David, c as in Charlie, ny.org. So that's hccny.org. Um, we're also on Facebook, Hip Hop Dance Conservatory. Um, we're on all so it's all social media, so just just look for us. We're there, um, and you can definitely find out more information and stuff like that. Um, or there on the website. Thank you, 
And Jay, as always, it's always great to have you guys. And one thing we're going to say before we go, a few predictions. Jay, what's your prediction? I'm going to ask each one of you to give us one prediction for the um, industry that you serve. Jay, what's your one prediction that you see for uh, the future on, on music? Be ready for Microsoft Windows 10 and have everything pretty much be three-dimensionally in front of you, dealing with the new technologies. Just beware of holograms and all these things are going to take the place of humanity. So that's my prediction, that um, all these things will start to take place in this year. At the end of this year, you start seeing all these three-dimensional objects and holograms, and you'll be dealing with this on your laptop or your new technical device. Portia, what is your prediction for just for music, dance, or anything that you'd want to share? For this year, I see that women, especially black women, are going to come together um, and unify as one and start, you know, speaking about their experiences and, you know, build open doors for women of the future to come in and, you know, kind of have an equal seat at the table, you know, and just provide equal opportunities for each other. Yvonne? Yeah. Um, I think for this year, I think um, the the women of um, our, our form of hip-hop will start to look at their place um, a little bit differently and kind of see more um, of the stake that they hold um, in, you know, what is a, a more male-dominated and male-created uh, form and really start to kind of step up and have a voice more and begin to really kind of uh, influence um, in, a, in a more active way. And, and I'm going to go before Safi because I know Safi's got a lot to say. So, <laughs> so these are my predictions. To Jay-Z, who I've met many times, Jay, congratulations on your streaming service, but we want to know what it's going to do for the artist. That is something that's not stated. Can anyone join us? What is going to get created? To uh, Jarav um, Rasaluk of for the flying car that Jay and I was talking about a few weeks ago. I think it's an amazing discovery, amazing invention that, again, was 25 years for them. I think that's what we're going to see for the future, a flying car. We just have to deal with the air uh, regulations, but one where people can actually operate, not where it's operating for people. I think we're going to see disruption this year that uh, while technology is getting higher, people are going to be pushing it back. And the one last thing I have is, like, you know, dance, Music and all of this is going to be a creative tool for people to be fully self-expressed in what we're seeing like in states like Indiana and other places because if it's starting with that, you know, see here, we're not activists here, but we're here to give information that supports the world and let you make your decisions from there. But if we start with religious uh, connotations that say that we should block this one or block that one, who else will we end up blocking we'll end up blocking ourselves as humanity. And so that's one of the things we want to look at. And I think that music and dance will actually be the intersection of that to express, and it'll, it'll shift how we, uh, how we do things. 
So, and technology will do well, but I think finally technology will be integrated. Humans will never allow themselves to be replaced. Why? Because there's an ego involved. So, Safi, I'll leave you with the last word, sir. Um, hmm. well, I think uh, relative to the future, I think I see where, um, at least in on, on our end in dance, I think dance will become more immersive. Um, I think we're setting the trend for that and creating a, an opportunity for others to kind of start doing the same, creating immersive experiences for audiences where they start to understand um, and feel more. Um, I think we're moving towards a society that, although it may look like uh, the opposite right now, I think we're moving towards a society that is going to um, feel more, be more empathetic, um, be more... Uh, conscious. Uh, I think we're in the, the the death throes of the isms, you know, the racism, the sexism, the misogyny, the variety of different issues that um, have culminated in you know what we have as a society today. I think we're in the death throes of that, um, and I think the future holds more equity um, than is currently you know um, happening today. Um, if we're looking, you know, in the the short term, and we're just looking at this year, I think a lot of the the seeds for that equity are being planted right now um, within this year. So, you know, looking at the arts, um, I see it becoming a lot more immersive. Um, I also see us being able to mesh a lot of these technologies um, that are present, being able to mesh those with, you know, our current our artistic talents. Um, instead of, you know, pushing the technology away, I think we'll find a way of being able to balance the um, the surge of technology with the um, with the desire to, you know, have our artistic expression known and felt. Uh, I think that's going to be the, the, the biggest thing um, with you know, art and technology, just finding the balance between, you know, the digitization and the monetization of the art form um, and the expression of something real. And I think people want to feel something real. And I think they're they're seeking out something real, and I think that's what the future holds. Well, thank you so much. So, Jay, as always, my friend, see you next week. And Safi and Yvonne and everyone, thank you for being on our show. We're going to leave out oh, with... Thank you. Patent leather, I want your number. Thank you, guys. Thank you.